Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. So today we are going to be in Mark 5. Uh, so if you don't know me, my name is Seth. Uh, my wife is JJ right there. She is the best. Um, if, if, I don't, if we don't know you, we would love to get to know you. Uh, come find us after service. If, if this is your first time here, we want to, we want to get to know you. So I'm, I'm a high school teacher now. Woo! Yeah, that's really fun. Uh, but at my school, I, uh, I teach for two hours, so we're going to be here. We're, we're not going to be here for two hours, but I do want to overview the book of Mark, so I'm, I'm sure this isn't super necessary for most of you, but we've been in the book of Mark for almost a year now, which is crazy, but if you don't know what the book of Mark is about, it's one of the four Gospels, one of the four books of the Bible that tells the story of Jesus. And in chapter 5, we see Jesus perform three miracles. So a man is delivered from demonic possession. A woman is healed from an issue of blood. And a man's daughter is raised from the dead. And it's crazy how much happens in one chapter. But I want to look at this chapter today as a, as a template for revival in our church, in our ministry in our Bible studies, and in our personal lives, right? How can we start out a chapter with somebody filled with thousands of demons and end the chapter with revival, with a little girl being raised from the dead? And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and it is so much more than precious gold. And man, I'm so thankful for the worship today. God, I needed it. And Lord, I need you to give me faith that, that your word does the work. God, I in my flesh dwells no good thing and I would just mess everyone here up. And so God, I need your Holy Spirit to take your word and get it into the hearts of your people today. So, Lord, I trust you for that. I thank you for your faithfulness that you enable me. And, uh, Lord, open our eyes. Give us revival in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, slide. So, the word posture has two different definitions. We're going to be using the second one. So, a particular way of dealing with or considering something, an approach or an attitude. So, how do we as a ministry, how do we as individuals approach revival? So, let's, let's read Mark chapter 5 if you have your Bibles. Let's, let's get those open. Verses 1 through 5, it says, And they, Jesus and his disciples, came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. 
and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. So, this guy is insanely powerful. Right? No man could bind him, and anyone that tried, he would just break out of the chains that they put him in. It's, it was like reminding me of uh, an X-Men 2 Nightcrawler. You guys remember that guy? It's freaky. Um, but f- for real, this guy, he's a superhero by all intents and purposes. He had superhuman strength due to demonic activity in his life. And yet, at, at the end of the day, he was utterly broken, crying and cutting himself day and night. And so this pictures for us who we are in the flesh. So maybe, maybe on the outside, maybe you, you are super strong, right? Or maybe you're super smart, you're good looking. Uh, Paul, Paul had it all together. In Philippians 3, he says... He was, he was in Hebrew of the Hebrews, right? Touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. And just like this, this man with the legion was crying and cutting himself because he knew that even though he had all this strength on the outside, inside, He was completely and utterly broken. And Paul was able to say that all those things that he was in the flesh, he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And guys, we... We know the examples of, of people that, that seem to have it all together. You know, think about Robin Williams. Guy we grew up, like, he was the, the father of movies in the 90s, right? And, and just think all the money, all the fame. He was so successful. People loved him. Committed suicide. Because inside, he was completely and utterly broken. We see that all the time with celebrities. So what, what's the solution? It's worship. Right? We see this man, he, he runs to Jesus and worships him. It says in, in verses 6 and 7, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And so he he gets a glimpse of Jesus, and and he sprints, and he worships. And, okay, so it's a little confusing knowing, like, okay, is this the... Is this the demons that are talking, or is this the guy? And I imagine a whole lot of life would be confusing if you had a thousand so demons hanging out in you. It'd be kind of hard to know if you knew who was talking. But uh, this gives us two options. 
Okay, so either the demons are forcing him to do all this, and, and if that's the case, I, I want to charge you guys, if unredeemable, eternally cursed devils take the time of day to give glory to Jesus Christ, what excuse do we have as Christians? What excuse do we have? If we don't make time in our day to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what, do, what the heck do we have time for? Okay, but I personally, I'm under the impression that it says that the man ran to Jesus and worshipped him. And so, if that is true, even in our lowest, most oppressed, and seemingly God-forsaken place, we can still worship. And for us to think that we can clean ourselves up before we come to Jesus is a grave error. So key point one. Worship Jesus with abandon. The word abandon as a noun means complete lack of inhibition or restraint. This guy didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care that he had thousands of demons he saw the answer and he ran to Jesus to, to give him the glory due his name. Worship Jesus with abandon. So next, we see what, what worship does in our life. All right, in verses 8 through 20, we, we see the product of this man's worship. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there unto, uh, nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell him to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to, to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. And so we first see that worship invites deliverance through God's word. This man saw Jesus for who he was and ran to him. And it invited Jesus to say the words, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. 
So it invites deliverance through God's word. Seeing Jesus for who he is and, and assigning him the value due his name, right? That's, that's what worship is. It's worth-ship. It also reveals what's in us. Isaiah saw God for who he was. I think Blake, Blake talked about that last week, right? He says, woe is me, for I am undone. Job, Job heard the voice of the Lord, and he said, behold, I am vile. And Paul was able to call himself the chief of sinners. He said, a wretched man that I am. Right? These men saw the Lord for, for, for who God is and worshipped him. And so, so if, if that's the case, right, it, if, if we get to see that in reality we're, we're vile, we're wicked, we're just disgusting, we, we see in Legion what came out of him, right? We saw what was in him come out of him. And so I want to think for a second what it would be like for God when we come to him trying to impress him in our flesh. So, Romeo, you grew up Jewish, right? Were you kosher? Kind of. Kind of, okay. So, (laughs) I want you to imagine for a second that you're a kosher Jew, and I'm like, Romeo, I've got the best present for you. Okay, you're never going to believe it. I have 2,000 pigs. Pretty great, right? Yeah, I've got 2,000 pigs for you. Um, They are demonically possessed. (laughs) And they're dead. And also they fell off a cliff and they're floating out to sea and you're going to have to go get them. Very inconvenient, right? (laughs) But guys, like, that's ridiculous. It's also disgusting. It's wicked. And that's... That's what God perceives when we try to impress him in our flesh. Jonathan Edwards said this. I I just totally stole this from Dan's lecture in LFBI yesterday. But he said, when I look into my heart and perceive its infinite wickedness, I think it's a pit deeper than hell. When I pray, I sin. When I preach, I sin. My very repentance needs to be repented of, and my tears need washing in the blood of Christ. And so I've, I've been thinking about, um, you know, in terms of worshiping Jesus with abandon. Do you guys, do you guys know the hymn, Just As I Am? Such a beautiful hymn. Um, can we sing a verse of it? Would that be weird? Okay. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that Thou bidst me come to Thee, O Lamb of God. 
And that's what worshiping Jesus with abandon looks like. Right? Just as I am, I'm going to run to Jesus. Not because of me, but because of what he did. So, worship reveals what's in us. But it also, it gives us rest. The man was sitting, it gives us righteousness. Right? We're actually actively clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Right? I know that's doctrinally true. But practically, when we actually worship Jesus Christ with our lives, we, we become, not by our own power, but right, righteous acts are lived out through us. And he's restored. He's in his right mind. And that's through fellowship with Christ. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. So, worship gives us all those things, but it also scares the world. Right? Because think about the fact, the world we live in is anything but rested, righteous, and restored. We live in a world that is nothing but anxious and depressed and busy all the time and just wicked. And guys, Titus 2 says, when we actually just allow the Holy Spirit control over our lives and and we're sober by the grace of God, we're a peculiar people. It freaks the world out. So it scares the world, but it also commissions us. Right? The disciples, they saw Jesus Christ for, for who he was. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go. And they went, right? Because they saw Jesus for who he was and they worshiped him with their lives. And we need worship. And we can't play at it. Guys, worship cannot be Sundays and Tuesdays and sometimes I'll go to a worship night. Worship is giving God your whole life. Because he's worth it. So with Legion, we, see, we saw our posture in worship, right? Our, our approach to worship. When we move forward in Mark 5, and we see this guy Jairus, and he shows us the posture that we're to have in prayer. So verses 21 through 24 says, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And so Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. He was was a bigwig. Okay, and yet he worshipfully falls before Jesus in all humility, right? Falls at Jesus' feet, despite, despite the fact that he's a ruler of the synagogue. And he desperately asks him to work in his life. 
Okay, and so what does that mean for us? What do we do with that? Well, as Christians, we're sons of God. Amen? We're made kings and priests unto God. We're more than conquerors. We're new creatures. We're all of these things in the person of Jesus Christ. When you believe on his name for the payment of your sins, for salvation, you, you become, in a moment of time, all of these things. And yet, we need to seek Jesus Christ humbly. However, all of these things allow us to come before the throne of grace boldly. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, Lord, I'm, I'm your son. You've made me a king. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a, you've made me a new creature. Lord, I, I come. Right? We can come boldly to the throne of grace. And yet we must humble ourselves. Knowing who exactly it is we're talking to. All right, you don't... My dad's here. I, I, I wasn't able to just, like, speak up to you, you know, as a kid. I, you loved me, and I loved you. I still do. We still love each other. <laughs> we have a great relationship. We've been working on cars a lot recently. Um, right? Man, I, I love my dad. I'm so grateful for him. But I, I can't just be flippant with him, right? I, I can come boldly, say, Dad, can you help me with my car? Because <laughs> I have no idea what a carburetor is still. <laughs> but um, I, I can't, I don't get to boss my dad around. He's got a schedule. He's got to keep, right? So we must pray boldly. We must pray humbly, but we must pray earnestly. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right, we need to pray fervently, earnestly. So, key point two. Our posture in prayer. Pray boldly, humbly, and earnestly. Pray boldly, humbly, and earnestly. Okay, so what's the effect of prayer? What do we see when Jairus seeks Jesus this way? All right, verse 24, Jesus goes with him. So through prayer, we activate the knowledge of God's presence in our lives. Daniel sought the Lord by prayer. Right? That's what we do when, when we pray is we seek God and we invite his presence into we invite the knowledge of his presence into our lives. Right? We, we know he'll never leave us or forsake us, but we can lose sight of that. Okay, so you can imagine how desperate you would be for 
for the healing of your daughter, right? She, like, this girl's at the point of death. And man, finally, Jesus, like, Jesus is coming with me. We're, she's going to be healed. And then we see this, this big parentheses happen in this story. If you want to change the slide. So, we see this woman with the, with the issue of blood. And she's going to picture for us our posture in service to the Lord. Our posture in ministry. So in verses 25 through 34, it says, In a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she, had, uh, she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he had said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. So guys, this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. Years. That's insane. You, see, you can just see the agony that she would have been in. And so, uh, you know, for context, uh, Leviticus, Leviticus 15 makes clear this woman would have been unclean to Jewish standards, right? According to the law, she would have been unclean. But she was also unfruitful. Right? With, with this type of disease, there would have been no way for her to have children. Right? So this picture is for us uh, kind of what, what Sam's been showing us on Tuesday nights. Right? We, saw, we see Hannah in 1 Samuel. She, she's unfruitful. She cannot have kids apart from God moving and working mightily in her life. And so this picture is for us uh, our service to the Lord. Right? As we've seen with Legion, we know that we're unclean. Right? There's no good thing in me, in my flesh. But we're also unfruitful. Right? When we were lost, the Bible actually explicitly says right, we, we're with the unfruitful works of darkness. But even after salvation, I still have absolutely no ability in and of myself to bear the fruit of the Spirit, or to bear the fruit of souls. I, I, I can't save a soul. I can't just muster up love, joy, peace. Right? I, I can't. And so, we, we have that problem in service, but we need the same solution that this woman had. Christ. Right? The, the way you get of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is you walk in the Spirit of Christ. Right? It's the Spirit of Christ. We, we need the Holy Spirit to work mightily in our lives. In John 15, right? Except ye abide in me, 
We need to abide in Jesus Christ. And except we do that, except we abide in him and and his words abide in us, we're going to remain fruitless. We're never going to win souls. We're never going to make disciples. And guys, I want to throw this out there that I don't think we'll ever see the fruit of souls if we don't first see the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Like how... How are you going to win somebody to Christ if you're not walking in the Spirit? If people don't see that that peculiar person, right, that, that has love, joy, and peace in their life, and it's not, it's not feigned. So guys, key point three, be desperate for fruit. Be desperate for fruit. The way, the way this lady was desperate to just, if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. If I could just get a verse, God, if I could just get a verse from your word in my heart. (laughs) If I could just get a word. Be desperate for fruit. And so you'll notice... That, that this story of the woman with the issue of blood is, is tucked in, parenthetically, to the story of Jairus. Which is interesting, right? Because our service to the Lord ought to be in prayer. Right? This, the story of our service to the Lord ought to be a parentheses inside the story of our prayer lives. I think that's important. Our service to the Lord ought to be soaked in prayer. So we, we pick up um, with Jairus' story in, in verse 35. So uh, verses 35 through 36. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. So guys, it's it's really interesting that while Jairus' story was being interrupted by this woman, his daughter actually died. And if, I mean, I, I can just imagine... You're Jairus, and, and Jesus is like, you're walking together, and Jesus is like, who, t- who touched me? And Jairus is like, come on, Jesus. Like, my, my daughter's dying. And how, like, how, like, what? Why, why is this happening? And then to think, oh my gosh, like, if, if Jesus hadn't stopped to heal this woman, maybe there, maybe there would have been more time. I don't know. But guys, this this brings up uh, an important point that it's in prayer and in our service to the Lord that brings about death in our lives. Right? Something about praying to God and serving Him with our lives brings about the death of our flesh. Romans 8.13 says, For if ye live after the Spirit, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And that is done through prayer. Right? You're not just going to, I don't know, mortify your, 
What? No, you can't, you can't just mortify your flesh. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So prayer brings about death, but it also brings about faith through God's word. Right? Jesus said, be not afraid, only believe. The psalmist cries out in, in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Guys, we can hear the word all we want, but until we pray that God opens our, our minds and our hearts and our, our ears to it, nothing's ever going to happen. We need, we've got to pray. And so, moving along, we see the, the fourth posture, right, in this, in this sermon. We see with Legion our posture of worship. We see with Jairus our, our posture in prayer, the woman with the issue of blood, our posture in service. Uh, but when we get to verse 37 to the end, we see that the house is our heart posture. Okay, so... There's a lot going on in this passage. Uh, let me read it. And he, Jesus, uh, suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And so the home is a picture of the heart. In Ephesians 3, it says, uh, it uses the phrase that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Right? And so when Jairus, Jairus is bringing Jesus into his house, there's a picture there for us. Right? The home is a picture of our heart. And, and then, uh, truth is, is spoken. Right? Jesus, he... He says something that's true. He says, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And so the same way, we need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, in all wisdom, according to Colossians 3. Right? We need, we need to get, get the word into our hearts. And it's so interesting that when that happens, um, verse 40, that these people that were weeping and wailing just a second ago, they start laughing Jesus to scorn. Okay, so context. In this time, in Jewish culture, there were professional mourners, which is really weird. But they would pay people to come and mourn for the dead. It's a weird thing, not really a part of our culture. Uh, but... You, you see, this is, this is a show. 
right? No, you can't just go from weeping and wailing over the death of a loved one to laughing somebody to scorn, right? That, does, that doesn't happen unless you're faking it. And so Jesus comes in, the word of God comes in, and the lies are exposed, Right? These, these people were, were lying about it. And so for us, Jesus said uh, of Satan that he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay, and then Psalm 119, verse 69 says, the proud have forged a lie against me. And guys, everyone in this room, Satan has a plan for your life, and it involves selling you lies. Okay, and so everyone in this room, Satan and his, his devils have conjured up a plan specifically for you, right? They have forged a lie specifically for you, and we've got to be on the lookout for that. And what we do when we get the word of God into our hearts is it exposes that. And I, I feel like we've been hearing a lot about lies. And right, Sam was talking about being beguiled a few, a few weeks ago. And we've been seeing lies and truth in, in the book of Acts. But what is the lie that Satan has sold you? You may not even believe it. But maybe you're wrestling with it. Maybe it's a, a constant distraction in your life. Right? Because Satan doesn't necessarily need you to, to wholeheartedly believe the lie. But if he can get you to say with him, yea, hath God said, that's good enough. <laughs> and so, guys, Jesus enters into Jairus' home. It's a picture of the word of God dwelling in us richly. And... But it's, it expels the lies. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So there are these hidden things of dishonesty in our hearts. There are lies that Satan told us a long time ago, and there's a piece of it that's still in our hearts. Jesus says in John 8, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, so we need to get the word of God in, in our hearts to, to get the lies out. But guys, I want to, to put this out there. I don't think that happens without the fact that Jesus entered into the house with the brethren. So in verse 37, we see that he went in with Peter, James, and John. So guys, this picture is for us allowing our brothers and sisters into our hearts, along with the Word of God. And this is something we miss out on. 
So we, we live in a hyper-individualistic society. Okay, so I, I do my best to exercise three times a week. I work out Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. And last week, I got off work late, and I wasn't able to work out on Monday. And so I'm sitting down eating dinner at like 7.30 or something, which is, I, sh- I should have worked out by then. And I'm just like watching a YouTube video on my phone, and an ad pops up, and it says, so you missed your workout. <laughs> I, I kid you not, like JJ saw this happen. <laughs> Guys, every, like everything in our lives, whether you realize it or not, is geared to you. And, and it makes you think that everything is about you, and we carry that into our faith, and it's absolutely wicked. How much spiritual lack in our lives is due to an individualistic mindset and self-focus? How many of the promises in the New Testament we pray back to God all the time are actually made to groups of people? And I'm not saying that you can't claim a promise as an individual. But guys, just, you know, you, ye, and your in your Bible are plural. Jesus says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. We say that all the time, and we forget that it's in the context of fellowship. Nay, in, in all these things, we are, more than con- we are more than conquerors. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And guys, Ephesians 3 just, just really drives it home on this. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints... What is the breadth and length and depth and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. He's asking us to believe his promises together. And so I'm going to throw up two key points at the same time. Key point four, get the word into your heart. But key point five, let the saints into your heart. All right, we, we, I've been harping on this, but we're, we're supposed to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And guys, the early church, they got that this was a group thing. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. How often do we actually pray the promises of God for our Bible study? Right? Rather than us as an individual, how often do we pray for love, joy, and peace for my disciple, for David, for Daniel, for John. I love these guys. I want them to have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And guys, ultimately, the Word brings revival. You want to go to the next slide? 
what Jesus said, right? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. That, that became a reality. So guys, what Jesus said was ultimately true, but the liars needed to be kicked out and the brethren needed to be brought in. Revival is nothing more than the promises of God's word made reality in our hearts and lives. And so guys, verse 43, it's weird. It says, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So it's weird that he would say, you know, don't don't tell anybody. Right, but if you compare scripture with scripture, you find out the Pharisees were so wicked that they were willing to kill people that were evidence of Jesus' miracles. And so he did this out of protection. But guys, I want to make the point that when revival comes, it will need no announcing. And that what I don't don't hear what I'm not saying. That doesn't mean don't evangelize, right? We ought to evangelize, do the work of an evangelist. But when God's promises are made reality in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, in our Bible studies, in our ministry, in our church, we'll know it. We'll look like a peculiar people. And so in closing, if Uriah, if you want to come up, I... We've got to be out of here at 1230, but don't let that trip you up. Okay, so maybe you don't know Jesus Christ at all. Okay, I want to submit to you that right now you are like the man with the legion. Okay, you you have complete liberty, right? No man can bind you. You can do whatever you want. You can sin. You do whatever. How's that going for you? Romans 6, 20 and 21 says, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. All right, man, you can do whatever the heck you want. No man can bind you. You can just break out of stuff. All right, you can, you can sin all you want. You're a servant of sin. You are bound to that. And the end of that is death. And the end of that is hell. But right now, you have the opportunity to run to Jesus Christ for the first time and allow him to deliver you from that. Call on him as Lord of your life and let him save you. I'm so glad that Romans 6 doesn't stop there. It keeps going and it says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you need to be saved, you need to come. We will have counselors around. You'll find them. They'll find you if you get up. Um... But man, they'll walk you through how you can accept Jesus' free gift of eternal life. And guys, for us saints, we've got to get back to worship. We've got to get back to prayer. We've got to get back to service. And guys, we need to get the word of God into our hearts. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And we hear that 
And because we're so focused on the mind, what we hear is that word have I hid in my mind. Right? We think it's about memorizing verses. And it's not. It's about getting God's word into our hearts such that it bears fruit and we see the reality of it in our lives. And that's not going to happen if we don't do it together and we're not desperate for God to do it. And I'm so, I'm so sick of not seeing God's promises made reality in my life and in our ministry. And guys, this time that we have when, when we pray after service and we have an altar call, that's not just for people who need salvation. There's no way that two people every Sunday get convicted by a message. There's no freaking way. And you, you've got to let your brothers and sisters into your heart with the word of God. And so guys, please, if there was anything in this... I pray it was God's word and God's word alone, but if there was anything that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of, talk to somebody. Let somebody speak the truth into whatever lie you are choosing to believe right now. Maybe you're not even believing it, but you're struggling with it. Heavenly Father, um, please bless your word, bless your people. Give us revival, Lord, not because of us, but because you deserve it. God, you deserve to get the glory out of our lives and have your Holy Spirit live your life through us. Lord, I love you. Bless the worship. Lord, let conviction take place. Let confession take place. Lord, get your word into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.